Good morning, Ascent Church. Bill here. Man, it is so fun to be with you guys on another Sunday morning. I especially want to say good morning to those of you that are joining us for the very first time or those of you guys that have found us online and have started calling this your church. I love it that you've done that. Over the last 10 months, you guys, we have a bunch of you that have said, man, I, I, I found it and now I'm, I'm, I'm stepping into Ascent Church. Even though you've never been in this building, it amazes me. You haven't been, some of you have never been in here. You've never seen the cafe when it's beaming with excitement and, the, and our hospitality team that is saying it's more than a donut and you're getting donuts and coffee and hanging out together and getting pizza afterwards. You haven't been in the children's classrooms and you've seen the excitement and the joy of, on kids' faces as they're, as they're learning their first steps about Jesus, but they're having so much fun doing it, jumping on a trike. You haven't seen a, 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 a dad and his daughter shooting baskets and, 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 and the, with the, the basketball courts that are over there and, and dribbling the ball in the middle of a service while we're preaching. You can hear the balls bouncing. You haven't been here for that. You haven't been in this auditorium where Becky and the worship team leads us and we passionately sing songs and praise to God and we learn more about Him together. And yet you still call this church. I love that. Can, would all of us be able to say that? We'd call it church even if we're not in this building? Well, a lot of that has to do with our definition of church. Every one of us has a definition of church that comes mostly from our own experiences around church. You guys, I wanna talk about that. We wanna talk about that over these next four or five weeks. We wanna dig more into what is Jesus' definition of the church? And what does that mean for us? And can you call a sit your church and never have been in this building? I want to spend some more time on that. See, for me, I, I, as many of you know, I grew up Catholic. And so my definition of church was shaped by my experience in the Catholic church. It, and I in no way want to disparage the Catholic church. This was just me as a kid learning about church. But I walked into church and it was a little bit boring. We sat in the pews. We, ran, we came in late. We heard words that, that, that you never used outside of the church. We had to genuflect before you got into your pew. You, you, my dad was a Eucharistic minister. The priest gave a homily. Those are words that I never used outside of the church. I have to admit, it just felt a little, it didn't feel very relevant. And, and it was an event, a place that we went to on Sunday mornings, an event that happened, you participated in that event, and then you went home. That was my definition of church. Some of you guys have a de definition of church that's different than that. Some of you look at church and you say, man, this is where, this is my lifeline. This is where my soul is fed. This is where I am in touch with the Holy Spirit. Some of you, that's, that's church to you. And just gathering together in a place like this where you, can, where you get in touch with the Holy Spirit. For some of you, it is the gas station. It is the gas station fill up that you need to have that in your week that drains you at work or at home or in school. And you come into church at the end of it and you just go, fill me up again, Lord. And you get filled up and then you get back out and it drains you back down until the next time you get to gather together. And I know that for some of you, that's why COVID, it feels like COVID has taken church from you. It feels like you've gone to COVID. You, some of you have even said that. It's, COVID has robbed me of church. And I hear that. 
I see that in a, even in my own kids. I see that in my daughters. They're not sitting down on Sunday mornings with Jackie and I watching it on the screens. It's been hard. I want to be able to sit with my family together and praise God together. In some ways, I do feel like we've been robbed of church. But what we want to do, you guys, is we want to look at Jesus' definition of church. I want to look at what, he is, what he's saying to us. And I want to, 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 for us to, to come face to face with that and say, okay, what is he calling us to do and to be even in this season where we feel like we're being robbed of it? We're, we're robbed of church. What is he calling us to do and to be? We sat down together, me and Maurice and Aisha and Chris Sturgeon. This is our teaching team. And we sat down together and we said, how do we want to start the new year? And, and Aisha had a great point. She said, man, I think we need to ask the question, where do we go from here? After a hard year, 2020, after a loss in, losses in the church and after losses in people's lives and after a, be, feeling like we're robbed from the church, where do we go, robbed from, robbed from being in church? Where do we go from here? Well, Aisha said this, she said, not only where do we go from here, but where do we grow from here? How do we grow even with COVID continuing? How do we grow together? How do we, how do we take steps even in a healthier place? How do we get to the point that we come out of this at some point, three months, six months, whatever it is, when we're coming on the, out of the, on the other end of this COVID, how do, we, how do we step into that knowing that we have taken steps forward in growth and not just survival? How do we grow from here? Man, I'm actually looking forward to this because we're gonna take a look at the early church in Acts. You guys, that early church that, that, that Luke started writing about in Acts, it was, it was, there was persecution, there was struggle, there were times that they weren't allowed to meet, they, they, they were just getting started, there was doubt, there were questions, all of that was happening and yet something powerful happened. It was a movement began and it wasn't about a building. It, it, it defied tradition. It, wasn't, it was without titles or influence. It wasn't about a pastor. It wasn't about a place. It was about a movement. It was a movement that was against all odds and against the religious norms. They were relevant and they were reverent at the same time. And something powerful happened. It was an unstoppable force that, that changed everything. I believe that, that's, that we have that potential right now, even in the midst of COVID, for something powerful to happen and for God to use the church in the way he intended church to be. We're gonna spend some time digging into that. What does Jesus want for us as a church? What does he want for a set church in 2020? What, 2021, what does he want for you and me in the midst of all that? How can we go, where do we go from here and where do we grow from here? That's what we're talking about today and over the next few weeks. So I hope you guys join us with it. Here's what we're gonna do today. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna spend some time worshiping Jesus together. We're gonna hear a little bit of vision. I'm gonna dig a little bit more into this. God, we thank you for this chance to be together and God, shape our minds shape our thoughts, shape our hearts, help us to see your, your bride, what you call your bride, the church. Help us to understand what that means for each one of us and how we can step into the call and the charge that you have for us. God, I pray that you'd be with us this morning as we spend this time with you. It's in your name we pray, amen. All right, friends, would you sing along with us? We sing, step out of the shadows. Step out of the shadows. 
pray. Thank you for your mercies that are new. Thank you. We sing in spirit and in truth. Thank you. I'm telling you, thank you oh, for calling me your friend. We sing for calling me your friend. Thank you. You stand in my defense. Thank you. Your love that has no end. Thank you. I'm telling you, thank you. I'm telling you. Yes, I'm telling you, thank you. Thank you for What's up Ascent family? It is a new year and a new season for Ascent and I can't wait to see how God moves in 2021. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Aisha and I'm one of the teaching pastors here. And this year my role is expanding and I also get to serve as the prayer pastor and I cannot wait to see prayer become a major part of the culture right here at Ascent. Over the holidays, I was able to share with my family and my friends what we were doing here at Ascent to be a blessing. Not just to people who call Ascent home, but blessing the community, blessing people who don't even necessarily know anything about Ascent or call Ascent home. And I am so grateful to be a part of a giving church. And I just wanna thank all of you for your generosity. And for those of you watching today, you wanna to partner with us financially. There is three ways that you can do that. You can give online, you can give through our app, or you can use our text to give. All right, y'all, last week Bill said, let's make 2021 a year of prayer. And I want to do that by having some intentional time to pray for this new season at Ascent. So you are invited. I would love for you to join me Saturday, January 16th at 12 p.m. right here at Ascent. We're gonna gather together. We're gonna pray over this building. We're gonna read some scripture from Acts and we are just gonna lift up this place in prayer and pray that God would move, pray that God would bless us, give us guidance, wisdom for this new season. Are you coming? Make sure you register, it's gonna be right on the website. All right, now you probably heard some sounds and noises in the background, and that's because we have a team of volunteers right now in the building trying to get this place ready because on January 17th, we are gonna have in-person services. Yes, are you doing a dance right now? I'm gonna do a little dance. I'm very excited that we will be offering both an online experience and an in-person experience. So if you wanna join us in person, go to our website, click that button, you'll get more information and you'll be able to reserve a seat. So we can't wait to be with you and let's get back to Bill to see what God has put on his heart. All right, so we are going to get back together in person. We're finally gonna to get to have church. Or have we always been at church? That's what we're talking about, you guys. 
I want to get us into Acts. I want to get us into the early church, the establishment of the early church. So see, here's what happened. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they set out to write about the life of Jesus. And then Luke continued that about the life of the apostles. It's the Acts of the apostles, the Acts of those disciples that started the early church. And so we want to get to that. But before we do, I'm going to take you back, uh, back to a conversation, a really interesting conversation Jesus was having with his disciples. It was, it, it, Matthew wrote about this in, in Matthew chapter 16. It's, it, it is this, Jesus was with his disciples and, and he said to him, he says, hey, you guys, who do people say that I am? He was, it was a curious question. Who do the people say that I am? Because he hadn't really told them exactly who he was at that point. But he's saying, I just want to know, what, how are people perceiving me? Who, who do they think that I am? The disciples' response was interesting. They said, some people think that you're Elijah, a, a prophet, a powerful prophet from the Old Testament. Some people think you're one of the other prophets, like Jeremiah. Some people think that you're John the Baptist because John the Baptist had been preparing the way. And some people think that you're John the Baptist. And Jesus had to chuckle at that a little bit. And then he looked at them and he's going, now, but who do you guys say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And then Peter gave a response that was powerful. It was the first real testimony. It was the first real, he admitted this is who you are, Jesus. Listen to what he says. Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Man, there's so much to that, you guys. He's saying, you are the Messiah. You are the chosen one. You are the anointed one, the Christ. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. He's acknowledging that. He's seeing that. He's recognizing that entire story that I talked about on Christmas Eve. The whole story of Jesus creating man and women, man and woman, and then and then having it's a love story between God and us, and we turn on our back on him. And yet, and yet God says, Now I'm gonna to make it a redemption story and I'm going to pursue you guys and God pursued us all the way to Jesus and 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 he brings God comes to this earth through his son and 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 now Jesus is on this earth Peter will eventually realize that when he's saying that it's also you're the Messiah that has come to save us through your death on a cross and your resurrection and we will have eternity with you. And this love story will never end. He's going, man, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus is saying, yes, that is what I want this entire world to know. And he looks at Peter and he says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And so I tell you, you are Peter. That's when he changed his name to Peter. See, Peter in Greek is Petros, and it comes from the word Petra, which means rock. And so he's going, man, gee, Peter, you are a rock. And he's going, and on this rock, and what he's saying is on what, your what you just said, on that truth that I am the Son of God, that I am the Messiah, I am the one that is coming here, that has come here to save you from that death separated from God through sin. And I have come in to give you life. On that rock, he says this, he says, and on that rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. On that truth, I'm going to build my church. Now get, get ready, you guys. I'm going to get a little scholastic on you guys here. Now listen to this. He's, he, he's, he uses a Greek word there when he says, I'm going to build my church. 
What he doesn't use is the word for synagogue. He doesn't say, and on this rock, on that truth, I'm going to build my synagogue. That's the place. That's the gathering. That was the place, the building that people would come to, to worship God. He's saying, I'm not, on this rock, I'm not going to, he didn't say, I'm going to build my synagogue, that the gates of hell will, will not prevail against it. He's saying, I'm not going to build my temple. He didn't say either one of those things. That's the building. That's the, oh, that's the building. Instead, he said something else. He said a word that the disciples actually understood and knew. It was not a religious word in any way. He said this. He says, on this rock, I'm going to build my ecclesia. You guys, when they heard that, they knew that. They said that they thought an ecclesia, an ecclesia was a, a gathering of people that pulled out of their homes, a gathering in the marketplace, a gathering in the town square over a common purpose. That's what an ecclesia was. It was, it was that, that assembly or that movement of people out of their homes to the marketplace for a purpose. That's what an ecclesia was. And he said, but this is going to be my ecclesia that's built on the rock. The common thing that will draw them out is this love and truth of who Jesus Christ is as the son of God. And because of this unbelievable news, they're going to, people are going to be pulled out of their homes into the marketplace, into the public square, and they're going to have a common purpose. And it's going to be a movement of people around this common purpose that is going to radically affect the rest of this world. That is what Jesus had in mind with his church. He's saying that church, that ecclesia, man, the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. The early church was persecuted like crazy, but you guys, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't destroy it because they couldn't find it because it was a movement of people that was all over the place. It was, they, were, they would gather together and then they would go and there was a movement of people. The gates of hell couldn't prevail against it. That was Jesus' ecclesia. What's fascinating about it is the only time he referred to church as a building was when he was talking about the people that make it up. He says, Peter, you're a rock. He said, he is, Jesus is the cornerstone. Ephesians, Paul talks about how the apostles, the disciples were the foundation. And he looks at you and me and he says, and the people, and those are the stones that make up the church. So the only time he's talking about the building is when he's talking about people. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter two. It says, it says God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he's building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. And now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds up all the parts together. See, Jesus saw this as a movement. He saw this as a gathering under a common theme that was going to ultimately change the world. That's why he presses so hard on, on salt and light that he, he wants his church to be the salt that's going to flavor and it's going to preserve. He wants the church to be the light on the, on the hill that, will, that isn't going to be a light for light. It's not going to be a light just for people that are hanging out with the light. It's going to be a light in the midst of the darkness. That's why he pressed that so hard, because that's the church. Now, you guys, let's fast forward. 
Let's fast forward to the end now, to the end of his life on this earth. He, he, he had died on the cross. He had risen from the dead. He, before he ascended into heaven, he spent some time with his disciples and some other folks. In these moments, people struggled. They struggled when they saw that he had died on the cross. Is he really the son of God? Does he really have that power? They struggled. They struggled trying to figure it all out. He's now an appearing, but now he's going to leave them. They struggled in their doubt. They struggled in their questions. They could have easily just gone, Jesus, my faith, my soul, it's all a turmoil around all this. Will you let me just sit for a little bit? Will you let me just sit with some other folks and let, let's, just, let's just kind of rekindle something here? And instead, he said this. He said something that maybe it would have been considered inconsiderate, not inconsiderate, but would, would have been considered um, it wasn't sensitive to, to those thoughts, those, those doubts. He said this instead. He says, now, go and make disciples of all nations. So he's going, I don't want you to be a spectator in this. I know this has been a beautiful story, but I don't want you to be a spectator that just celebrates the story. He says, go and make disciples of all nations and teach, baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. Now go and be the light on the hill. And he says, and know that I'm going to be with you always to the ends of the age. What was interesting is Matthew says that at the end of his gospel. And he says, and some people doubted, but Jesus didn't separate those people from it. Some people were struggling, but he's going, but I still have a charge for you to go. And then he leads us into Acts, into early Acts. And, he, and, and, that, and Luke keeps writing about this. And Luke says this. He says, Jesus, right before he, was, he ascended in heaven, he finished that up and he says to them all, he says, now, what you're going to get is the Holy Spirit. He's going, man, I know each one of you have your own journey. You have your own questions. You have your own issues on your soul. You have your, will have your own doubts. You'll have your own hesitations. I know that, but I'm giving you my Holy Spirit. And when that Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to experience my love. You're going to experience my joy and my peace and my patience and my kindness and all the fruit of the Spirit. You're going to experience my presence. And he says, and when that Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all over Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the world, locally, regionally, globally. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be my church. They say, it says they left the Mount of Called Olives and returned to Jerusalem. It was a little over half a mile. And they went into the upper room where they'd been using for a meeting place. And they agreed that they were in this for good, completely together in prayer. The women included also Jesus' mother, Mary, and his brothers. They were in this for good. What was this? And this was a journey. This was a journey in their relationship with the Lord. This was, was, was the Holy Spirit and, and, and the Holy Spirit's presence in their life. This was their struggle and their questions and their doubts. This was their connection with each other and their need to be in connection with each other. And this was living out the ecclesia. This was saying, I hear it and I know it, that this has to be a movement that's gonna go beyond just me and just beyond a building 
and beyond what I need. And instead, I'm going to be a voice, a voice for this unbelievable good news that God has given us. That's what they're saying this is. That day, about 3,000 took him at his word and were baptized and were signed up. Signed up for what? Signed up for this, the, what the church is. They committed themselves, it says. Empowered by the Spirit, they committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles because they needed to learn as much as they could. The common, the life together, the common meal and the prayers. They committed themselves to, to connect them with each other. And even over that common meal, you guys, back then, a common meal was always something that you invited other people to. It wasn't just you sitting together. You invited other people to and they committed themselves to sitting down together, to sharing our meal together, inviting other people together, to praying in the midst of it, to say, how can we be the ecclesia, the church that Jesus called us to be? Now, you guys, let's bring this to everyday life. Let's bring this to life today. Let's bring this to, to, to life here at Ascent. I've been reading this book, a book that a guy named Ed Silvaso wrote called Ecclesia. I've been spending some good time in that, spending some good time in Acts. Well, in this book that, 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 that Ed Silvaso wrote, he, he wrote about the five dynamics of any movement, any movement that you have. And, and that, remember, we're talking about Ecclesia as not just a building, but an entire movement. He talked about the, 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 the five dynamics of that movement. He says, here's how it gets going. He says it starts, that movement starts with a healthy dissatisfaction. You get this healthy dissatisfaction about something and that leads to a convergence of other people that also have that healthy dissatisfaction. And that ultimately leads to an expansion of that, of, of that dream or that thought to an expansion of that. Ultimately, that can lead to a need to organize around that expansion and even to institutionalize some of that expansion. But he's saying, but at that point, Every movement is in a place where they have to now either, either they, they need a new dissatisfaction or a relaunch of that, or they will eventually die if they focus in only on the institution. You know, Jim and I, when we got started with Ascent, we didn't know that we were following that pattern of that movement, but that's exactly what's been happening. When we got started seven years ago, we had a healthy dissatisfaction. We sat together. Jim says it was at the buff. I say it was at, uh, at La Peep. But we sat together and we, we, and we talked about our, the healthy dissatisfaction that we have. We, we we're talking about our especially high school and middle school and college students. These are the people that Jim and I had been spending 20 years working with. And we're just going, we both said, man, we have a, a healthy dissatisfaction that these, these, these kids are making decisions that are going to affect the rest of their life. And, and they need people to walk with them. They're, they need to know that Jesus is real and is relevant in their life and that Jesus wants to walk with them. We needed that to be incarnational. Instead of it being a program that you just, you just tell kids stuff, instead we need to be incarnational where we're stepping into their life just as Jesus has done with us. And so we were dead passionate about the, 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 the dissatisfaction that we had around, around middle school, high school, and college and our desire to reach them. We had a dissatisfaction around kids because we just, we looked at our own lives and go, man, I don't want kids to come out of, of church bored. 
I want them excited about what church is and so, so and, and, and learning about Jesus. And so in that healthy dissatisfaction, that's where we, we want to create environments, compelling environments for kids where they might ride a bike in a trike around a church and at the same time learning about Jesus. We had a healthy dissatisfaction about the fact that we felt like church for the most part in all the years that we've seen it, it tended to be isolated from the community their own little club outside of the community. And that dissatisfaction led us to wanting to do a church where we're gonna be connected to the community. We're gonna know the principals of the schools. We're gonna know the city officials and we're gonna grow together and we're gonna make a difference together and we're gonna be in the marketplace and we're gonna be in the town squares and we're gonna be a movement of people that step out of that. I had a personal, very personal dissatisfaction. It came within my own neighborhood. One of, right as we were just getting started with the dream of ascent, one of my very close friends, Jackie's probably closest friend here in Colorado. She, we didn't know this. We have known her for 13 years. We didn't know her that she was struggling with, with prescription drugs. And I get a call from her, from her husband. And he says, will you come over and help me? And, and I go over to their house and and she had overdosed on prescription drugs. We took her to the hospital and six days later, she passed away. And I went on a walk, a run that later became a walk through Rock Creek. And I just looked at the houses. And as I'm walking through those houses, I'm just thinking all the secrets, all the stuff that we're holding away from everybody else that we're living in isolation with, that we don't want anybody to know and I just had this healthy dissatisfaction of thinking these folks in these houses, including me with my own secrets in my own houses, in my own house, these people need to know this incredible news of this love of Jesus that can meet them in the midst of their secrets. That was a passion of mine that I remember it was late at night. I'm through rocking through Rock Creek. I felt, probably looked creepy looking at people's houses, but, in, but I sat there and looked at them and said, they need to know the love of Jesus. I need to intercept their secrets with the love and joy of Jesus. That was a healthy dissatisfaction. And Jim and I, that's where Ascent was born. And from that, we, we saw a convergence of people, of other folks that we were meeting in houses and other folks started to, 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 to say, we have that same dissatisfaction. And they started joining in with us around this. And then that became an expansion as we met in the Omni Hotel and we came here and expanded. And more people not only were blessed, but more people jumped in on that same healthy dissatisfaction. And that led us over time to, to, to organize and we needed to, to come up with system and procedures so that we could exponentially increase what we're, what we're talking about. We wanted to be the catalyst for your dreams, for the dreams of people that would come in and say, what is God laying on my heart for me to step into? We want to be a catalyst for that. We want to be a conduit for the priesthood of all believers, which means it's not about a pastor and it's not about a program. It's not about what staff person we hire. It's about what God is laying on your heart to do. And then how do we help make that happen? That's the kind of organization we want. And and so we started to organize around that. But you guys, I believe that we're at a crossroads right now as a church. I believe that we're in a, in a moment right now. And this is what, what Silvasco is talking about. He's saying, in this moment, we, could, we, we can go one of two directions. 
if we only focus on the organization, if we only focus on the institution, what can happen is we become internal. We become those disciples that are on the boat. When Jesus said, step out of the boat, they're saying, no way, I don't want to. This is too scary out there. I just need to protect myself. And when we start becoming internalized and we start to protect ourselves and we lose that healthy dissatisfaction for all the things that help make, it, make us go the direction we are going because of what the Lord was laying on our heart to do, if we, if we, are, if we just become internal, this is where a movement dies. This is where a new dissatisfaction needs to happen. A relaunch needs to happen. And this is where we believe this could happen with you and me. A new dissatisfaction can settle in on you and going, what do you see? Do you have neighbors that don't know who Jesus is? And there's that dissatisfaction as you're driving home going, I want them to know Jesus. Do you, do you, do you look at the, the homeless or the helpless or the, the people that don't have the, the privilege that you have? And do you have a healthy dissatisfaction that says, I want to meet the needs of the, of the, of the homeless. Or I want to meet the needs of someone that, that has less than I have. Do you see that as a healthy dissatisfaction? And do you want to, and, and will you respond to that? You guys, that's being the church. That's where the church wants to be the conduit then for your dreams to make it happen. That's the, that's the new dissatisfaction. And then when we start to really lean into that, we are the ecclesia, the movement rallied behind a rock, a rock that is Jesus Christ and his story, his love story for each of us. And saying that I want to make that difference in this world as I live that out through the Holy Spirit. I've been thinking a lot about that. And this last month, I got the chance to spend some time uh, with different core groups, just talking about Ascent and what we're doing as a church. And in one of the core groups, I was meeting with one of our young adult core groups. And I met a, a, a woman named Rachel Leachman. And as I sat and talked to Rachel, she started telling me about a dissatisfaction that she felt over women that have been sex trafficked and, and, and how do we care for them since those experiences. And that healthy dissatisfaction led to her moving out of her house, moving, moving towards that dissatisfaction and moving towards those people with the love and grace of Jesus, holding on to the Holy Spirit and his love for us as she, as she stepped into that world. You guys, I want you to hear a little bit more of Rachel's story and then I'll wrap this thing up. So let's listen to Rachel and her story. So, so this is Rachel. Rachel, thank you for joining us today. Um, Rachel, tell us a little bit more about you and how you ended up here to Ascent. I grew up in Wisconsin. I was raised in a Christian household. Both of my parents were Christian and um, God's always been a huge part of my life and kind of has led me through life. Um, I went to college in Ohio at Miami University, and that's where I met my husband. He's from Colorado, so that's how I landed in Colorado. Um, we moved here a few years ago and then moved to San Diego for my husband to go to law school, and now we're back. So so you, you and I, when we were sitting together with your core group, you started talking to me about something the Lord has really placed on your heart. Um, you, around sex trafficking and, and the, the tragedy of sex trafficking. Um, tell me more about that. How did that come about? I didn't really know much about it um, growing up or in high school at all. 
Um, when I got to college, I went through a traumatic experience myself. Um, and through that experience, I decided I wanted to be able to do something to help other women who have gone through so much more. Um, and so I remember looking into it, trying to find an organization to volunteer for, um, and then that was kind of it. Hmm. So later on after college, when we were in San Diego, I was going through therapy, still healing from what I had gone through and decided I wanted to finally give back and um, I found Generate Hope. So Generate Hope helps women that have been sex trafficked. They provide safe shelter um, long-term. They provide therapy, education, vocational training, um, and so much more. It's really an amazing organization. Tell us more about that, because this is super inspiring what you've done here in Colorado. What really kind of sparked wanting to help them grow was learning about the issue. I know we Generate Hope receives between 20 and 40 phone calls a month asking for placement in our program. Um, and there's just not enough beds for this specific population. And so God put it on my heart last January to help Generate Hope expand to Colorado. And at the same time, um, he put it on the heart of the staff at Generate Hope to expand to Colorado as well. Wow. So that was pretty crazy. Um, God just orchestrated it all. And by the time you know we had been planning and trying to kind of figure out how we were gonna do this. And in July, we were able to receive a grant that helped us purchase a home out here in Colorado. I would guess that a long time ago, you would have gone, I would never have thought I'd be in this type of position, right? Yeah, absolutely not. And don't get me wrong, I was terrified. I was scared to even say the dream out loud, but once I did and just kept going, uh, I think God just blessed that obedience. And it's, yeah, I never would have thought we'd be here now already um, with a house. We actually just closed escrow yesterday. Oh my gosh. I mean, I can't, I mean, you just did my sermon for me, Rachel. I so love that because you said your dream out loud and, and then you just followed that. And, and that was that dissatisfaction on your heart of what's happening. And you're going, you just said it out loud. If any, if everyone could just hear, say it out loud and then see where the Lord goes. That's what you've done. And I'm so appreciate you getting to share that with our whole church around that. So thankful for you, Rachel. And thanks for sharing, even on Zoom, thanks for sharing your story with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. So great, see ya. All right, are you, come on, how can you not be inspired by what, by what Rachel is doing? She's responding. She was responding to a healthy dissatisfaction. And she's saying, man, let's, let's, we're going to move. And that's part of the ecclesia. That's part of all of us moving together towards the need. Man, and I know some of you guys are saying, I can't do that. I, I, I don't even know my neighbor's name. I, I, 
I don't even know what I can do with somebody else. I don't know if I have the gifts to be able to do it or the time to be able to do it. You guys, this is where we have to remember that Jesus poured out his Holy Spirit on every one of us. He has flooded our hearts with his love, with the good news of Jesus and with his spirit and his presence for us to be able to, in our doubt, in our exhaustion, in our desperate desire to just be together in person. All of those things are really good things. But he's saying, I'm, I'm pouring out my spirit so that you can receive those and then you could, we can give and we can be the movement that is the church. Man, when Jim and I got started, we were so desperate, just like the early church was desperate for prayer. And so we got on our knees, literally, it was back to my Catholic days, on our knees, praying to God, saying, direct us, direct us with this healthy dissatisfaction, direct us in where we're going to go as a church, gather folks around us so that we can expand, gather folks around us so that we can be excited about where we're going next together. Man, that is we were on our knees in prayer. We were, on, we, were, we were so desperate for the connection and to break bread and to have a meal together. You guys, we were in this little office on Airport Way. Everyone else is in their offices too. I mean, it's a bunch of people with their own individual offices. And these two yahoos, me and Jim, we, we got a bunch of Chick-fil-A and we just served the entire office complex. People are coming out of their offices going, nobody talks to each other around here. But we were, we were desperate to connect with each other and to be out in the marketplace and connect with each other in that way. Man, we're desperate for that connection. We're desperate for people to know the truth and to know about Jesus. The, neck, the woman right across the hall from us, single mom, just divorced. She had one thing in common with us, baseball. She hadn't wanted nothing to do with church, but she, she had baseball. So we talked baseball across the hall over and over again. And Jim and I said, man, that woman, that's a sent church. That we, we want that woman to know the rock, the news of Jesus Christ. We want that person to know it. Six months later, we're in here in this building and she comes walking in and Jim and I are just tearing up. You guys, don't wait for a pastor. Don't wait for a staff person. Don't wait for a program for you guys to recognize the healthy dissatisfaction that we should all have, the holy dissatisfaction the Lord places on our hearts. Is it with moms that are struggling? Man, let's look to respond to that. Is it, is it with elderly that are struggling or families that are struggling? Let's respond to that. Is it what we just did with the Christmas shop, but, it's, but it, you want to do it year round? Then let's respond to that. You want to jump on our missions team? Then jump on our mission stream to make and make it happen. But let's respond to it. Let's rally together and be the ecclesia, to be the movement into the marketplace and, and out of our houses and be the light on the side of the hill, the salt of the earth. Let's do that together and let's respond together and let's let's look ahead to what ascent might do together you guys that's us being the church and that's going to make an eternal difference an eternal significance and we will grow in the midst of it that's where we're heading as a church we're just scraping the surface we're got in the next few weeks we're going to keep unpacking that more let's keep talking about what it looks like for us to be jesus bride, the bride of Jesus, the church, the ecclesia, the movement that is responding to the great news of Jesus in our life. Father, we thank you and we pray that you would bless, bless the effort and God that you would help us place that holy, healthy, 
holy and healthy dissatisfaction that we might feel, place that on our hearts. Help us to, to, to then bring that to the surface. God, I pray, pray that you'd rally folks around that as the church, that we would see that expand and exponentially increase that we would have the right systems in place to make it happen. God, we pray that we would be your church and we know that we will grow and the church will grow as a result. We wanna do this because you're asking us to do it for your kingdom. We pray that we would. It's in your name we pray, amen. Let's worship God together. Take it all. 
It is so inspiring to see how Rachel responded to the healthy dissatisfaction she felt within herself. If you would like more information or to get in touch with Rachel, her information will be right below. All right, y'all. Jesus has called us to be the ecclesia, to be the church, to be a movement of people. And let's keep that in mind as we continue in 2021. See you next week.